This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. And you're listening to That's the Ticket. Today I'm very pleased to be uh, exploring the Beyond section of That's the Ticket. I'm going to call it the Beyond section because I'm all about saying, like, talking about cool creative happenings in Kirikiriro and beyond. Today I'm going beyond um, to Morrinsville, in fact. Well, Morrinsville's coming to me. Um, I'm very pleased to uh, welcome back friend of the show and of me, Mike Williams, to the show to talk oh. about um, a play that he's in that's opening in Morrinsville quite soon. Uh, it's called Stones in His Pockets by Marie Jones. Welcome back, Mike. Thank you, Hannah. What a wonderful uh, welcome to the studio and, and back to the show. It's been a while since we've spoken. It actually has. I'm, I'm thinking, have we even have we caught up this year? We do it at least once a year. Yeah, sometimes twice, but I, it all just kind of blurs together because <laughs> um, Mike and I see each other pretty much every week and we usually just have a big old yarn about theatre and now we're just doing that but doing it like so everyone else can hear. Yeah, because this is deeply personal. <laughs> Yeah, the the whole second half, I've got a, a soliloquy about my feelings about um, petrol prices and such. So that, oh, okay. I've well, got to make room for that. I don't know where that joke came out of. It's not my best. I apologize. <laughs> but um, no, we we should um, talk about stones and stones in his pockets. Yes. Because um, I mean, I usually do my research, and I like to brag about it on the show. But I actually haven't done that that much research on this one. Okay. Um, so you, I guess, you're in good hands, though. I know what I know what the play's about. And I yeah, that's understand I feel like it. That might be a good place to start. <laughs> All right. So, what would you? Where would you like to start? What would you like to know most about? I mean, the play. Like a brief, like what, what's it about? Like not super spoilery, though. No. Okay. Um, it is. It's a play about a. I'm going to say small Irish. Town. I wouldn't say it's a village, but it's a small town in Ireland, a rural town, very much a farming and cow community, a bit like Morrinsville, funnily enough. I'm like, is that intentional? <laughs> well, no, it's just it's a, a synchronicity. There's a lot of synchronicity with regard to this production. We'll get to that mm. a bit later on. I'll tell you about some of the things that just kind of lined up. But Stones in His Pockets tells the story of this township and the people in it. Uh, through the lens of a couple of guys who are working as extras on a movie that's being filmed in mm. the vicinity. And if you know anything at all about Irish history in the uh, last 50 years... I remember it well. They <laughs> they have gone through what we've gone through in this country with, with being chosen for um, locations for... Uh, movies for quite mm. some time. There's one um, one that started it all off was uh, a John Wayne movie called The Quiet Man, which had is kind of like where this all begins as well, because this is a village, uh, a town that has been host to movies before, and the two guys that are extras, one is a local, another one is a guy that's arrived in town and seen the ad for extras and joined in. So those two characters are the ones that sort of underpin the telling of the story mm. but through those two guys you also meet other township 
other people in the township. Uh, you also meet those who are involved in making the film, including the Hollywood star and uh, the director and all the other people involved in it. So although there's only two of us on stage, we present something like 15 characters between us. And that is how the story is told. It's how it unfolds. It is darkly funny, as much of Irish stuff is. And it is uh, also very thoughtful and very sensitive and has uh, a lot of heart and uh, a really amazing kind of backstory that underpins everything. Okay. So there's a lot going on there. Yeah. One thing I, I want to focus in is so you're one of the actors in this play. Yes. And there's two of you. Yes. Who's your number two? Number two is uh, Joanna Bishop, mm. who a lot of people will know from the work that she's done over the last few years. In yeah, the, in no, the she's been around. Yeah. And I have directed Jo a couple of times before oh, in yes. place. So this is the first time that her and I will be on stage together, which is, nice. uh, which is really good. Yeah. Okay. I'm really, really enjoying the... Um, the stuff that she brings to the characters and in rehearsal and so on and so we bounce off each other a lot and have worked really hard on sort of trying to really delineate all of these characters make sure mm. that they're very clear but also to to, um, to do them with a lot of heart so that you know you get a real feel for where they come from which I feel like is a bit of an undertaking I imagine when you've been telling people about this play do like I'm about to fixate on the fact that there's only two of you and you're playing all these different roles yep like that's it's a lot we have one set we don't change costumes oh gosh so yeah it's deliberately written that way yeah and it's a device that marie jones just kind of landed on but it mm. seems to work and it's a play that has uh in its time it's um it's been you know hugely uh, lauded as a great work yeah it, it won an olivia award uh, for best new play, I think it was 1999. Okay. Whenever it was uh, first produced, I don't have those dates in front of me, mm. but it is um, in Tony Awards. It's done all sorts of stuff, and it's even been, which I find really weird. I was reading the other day that it's been translated into something like 38 different languages. Oh, really? Which, which telling an Irish story in Swedish, for example, for me would be kind of no, odd. But I feel like it theatre transcends. But yeah. actually, on that note, I wonder. Do you? I mean, you won't know, but. You might know, but like, has it been translated into like Gaelic or something, right? Is oh that, gosh, no, I don't know the answer is that, like, to that. The OG, yeah. like, but I could imagine it would <laughs> easily, yeah. Because yeah. that that will be quite cool. Yeah, and like even saying that, it's it's cool that a story, you know, as you say, it's like an Irish play that yeah. it's making it to New Zealand, you know, yep. and Morrinsville. But I mean. You mentioned earlier that there are kind of similarities. Yes, because of the fact that um, the township, which is never actually named, yeah. um, is a rural town and the uh, dairy industry and, and beef industry is very important to the, mm. to the area, um, we feel that there's a great resonance for people living in any rural area yeah. in New Zealand anyway, but Morrisville in particular because we've got 52 fiberglass cows in the town yeah uh, and everybody kind of kind of associates Morrinsville with being a cow town yeah but it's that's just how it landed uh, Chris was invited um, director Chris mm. Green was invited to direct something for Morrinsville Theatre and he originally had something else in mind but then uh, I don't know what it was a flash of inspiration or something he had seen stones in his pocket somewhere and he thought no oh, mm. hang on why don't I do that so he put the put the uh, proposal in front of the Morrinsville committee. They said, yeah, it sounds good to us. So then the audition notice came out and boom, there we are. And they picked you. Yeah. Um, 
and this is where the, some of the lines of synchronicity start to sort of happen. Mm. Um, Chris had seen a production somewhere. I was in a production of Stones in His Pockets back in the early 2000s. Oh, so you've already in done Nelson, it. yeah. I did it with a friend of mine who um, just suddenly appeared on my doorstep one day and said, I've got this play. And I think you and I should do it together. And so we did. And we ended up living with it in our heads for about nine months because we took it on tour, you know, where Nelson is, top of the south, right? Yeah. We went to Westport one weekend. We went to Hokitika one weekend. We went to Blenheim. We went all over the place. And we toured Mm. performances of this play in lots and lots of different venues, very much stripped down, um, even kind of smaller footprint than what we have in Warrensville. Mm. So I knew the play really well <laughs> and I thought I'd done with it, you know, yeah. almost 20 years ago. And I saw the audition notice and I happened to make a comment on the Facebook page where the audition notice appeared and I said, this is a great play, really fantastic, I love it, you know, and then kind of ended up auditioning. I didn't think I was going to have room for it, but um, I then mean, I thought, yeah, I can make that work. Mike Williams, uh, for those of you who don't know Mike, he always makes space and he's always in a play. He's either <laughs> always in a play, a musical, or directing a play or a musical, or something is in the works. Yeah. Um, but his calendar, which I have seen with my own eyes, it is a beauty to behold, but it also stresses me out on the weekly. I look at Mike's calendar and he's like, have you noticed I've added something? And I'm like, yes, Mike. Why do we keep having this chat? But no, I mean, I you kept that pretty quiet. I didn't know that well, you'd done it before. Uh, well, see, it doesn't mean I'm good at it. Um, <laughs> Buy your tickets but, now and, and um, you'll see if he's I really love the play. And it, although it's, it's a lot of dialogue and a lot mm. of work for two actors to portray all those things, um, it, is, it always sat in my heart as being something that was just such a rewarding thing to do. And I know that the audiences who saw it in mm. South Island way back then um, really loved it and they identified with a lot of the small townness mm. of it and all that sort of stuff and then to come full circle to the point where we are now uh, where Chris had seen the play I think a Wellington production somewhere um, it stuck in his mind so when it came time to suggest something for Morrisville that was what he came up with yeah. put the audition notice out it just so happened I saw that it just so happened also that Joe and no doubt others also saw that and put mm. their oar in the water as well. Chris had no knowledge at the time that he was casting it that Joanna and I had ever done anything together yeah. at all. Uh, the fact that I'd directed her and uh, all that sort of stuff. I so mean, this is, you know, lines coming together and converging and suddenly it becomes a perfect storm and you think, oh, yeah, okay, that's got to be. Yeah, you've almost hit the jackpot because um, Chris, like, would we legend i mean like i have seen some of chris's work uh, back when i started working at the meteor he came through with his show coal town blues yep. and like he's been around doing great work for ages oh he has he's he's got a huge following yeah you know throughout new zealand and a really a valuable thing for us in in terms of him being director for this play is that he's handled so much other stuff before himself in his solo mm. work where he's done multiple characters. Yeah. So the transitions between characters, the things, the devices you use to actually go from one scene to another and, and make those delineations, um, that's stuff he's really, really experienced at, and it's helping us immensely. This is what so, I'm saying, like, dream team. Chris yeah, is a legend. Is. You've done the show. Joe's really good. You and Joe already have an existing, like, really good working relationship. Yeah. Like, you were right when you said it's the perfect storm. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, we've talked about the show. We've talked about you guys. I guess we should say when it's opening might be important. <laughs> <laughs> 
Horrend- it's horrendously close. We happen on the 7th of July. Very close. Yeah. We're only doing six performances, so there'll be the 7th and the 8th, and mm. then a matinee on the 9th. Yes. We have one night off, and then the remaining three days are the lead-up to Matariki. Yeah, yeah, and you're finishing on the 15th? We, yeah, yeah, 12th, 13th, 14th we are on, I think, yeah. and the 15th we're off, yeah. because 15th is Matariki, isn't uh, it? Yeah. I, I haven't got the dates in front of me, I've so I might be wrong. I've got the dates in front of me, and it says you're finishing on the 15th. Uh, we'll check. We'll, we'll break for a song soon, and then I'll do some fact checking. We'll, we'll need to double check that. But tickets are available on iTicket yep. anyway, and they're twenty five dollars general admission. Yeah, yeah, we made it uh, really cheap for everyone. I mean, that's always good. You're always pretty safe with twenty five. So even if you're not into Mike's performance, you're like, oh, <laughs> you say, well, it was worth it to see Joe anyway. But um, yeah, well, actually, yeah, I am a big fan of Joe's work. I've seen her many, many times. Um, I do think I do want to ask though: Is there like an age rating? No, uh, the, there is language. Okay. Um, Give us an example. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> language that I can't use right at the moment. Um, and some of the concepts are, are adult in terms of their complexity, mm. not for sexual reasons, but um, just there's yeah. some deep stuff in there. So, like, you know your kid. You've been warned. Yeah. If you've got a 13-year-old who's who's... A child of the world, and, and yeah, you yeah, b- yeah. brought them up right. They could probably under, understand it and actually enjoy it. It's mm. certainly not kid fear. Okay, mm. good to know. Good to know. And um, yeah, as we said, tickets are available now via iTicket. Um, I suggest like hopping on your nearest internet connected device and grabbing one. If you're not driving, don't do it. If you're driving, pull over, like park your car, and then you'll be good to go. And um, when uh, Mike agreed to come on that's the ticket, he gave me the proviso uh, to play Irish music. Oh, I thought it was appropriate. Yeah. I don't, th- I don't does know. Does that work it, for you? Yeah, well, I I listened to a lot of kind of Irish bands in the lead up to this episode because I'm like, what am I going to play? Like, does he mean like, do I just play like Riverdance or do I? <laughs> and so I took the kind of Hannah route, which was just like Irish bands and singers. Um, and luckily enough, um, you know, as you know, Mike, I've got a very important segment on the show called Rick's Pick. I was going to say it has to match up with something yeah, yeah, that Rick yeah. would have picked. Well, I mean, magically, we're, we're you know three years into that's the ticket, and I've always managed to get a Rick's Pick that's been on theme. Sometimes like bang on, sometimes very loosely, but it always works. Yeah. And so I was looking at my um, list of Rick's picks, and um, I found an Irish artist. Gilbert O'Sullivan. Oh, yeah. I love Gilbert O'Sullivan's work. <laughs> I mean, so does Uncle Rick because he put him on the list. But um, yeah. for those of you listening who are unaware with this segment, I should have explained this at the top. But basically, I have an Uncle Rick, and um, he's a big listener of radio, a big listener of um, music. And when I started uh, That's the Ticket here on Free FM, he's like, okay, I'm going to give you a list, and every week we can play Rick's pick. And every week I have for three years. <laughs> and... Um, that's where Gilbert O'Sullivan has come um, from today. And the song I have picked from the list is a song called Nothing Rhymed. Oh, lovely. It's good? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I did listen to it and I vibed it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, here's uh, Nothing Rhymed. And this one is for you, Uncle Rick. Thanks for always tuning in. Up the sea, I've been saving to some elderly lady. Oh man, am I being a good boy? Am I 
your pride and joy Mother, please, if you please, say I am And if while in the course of my duty I perform an unfortunate Would you punish me so unbelievably so Never again will I make that mistake This feeling inside me could never deny me the right to be wrong if I choose. And this pleasure I get from saying, winning a bet is to lose. When I'm drinking my bone apart, Shandy, eating more than enough apple pies. I glance at my screen and see real human beings starve to death right in front of my eyes. Nothing old, nothing new, nothing ventured, nothing gained, nothing still won or lost. Nothing further than proof, nothing wilder than you, nothing older than time, nothing sweeter than white, nothing physically recklessly, hopelessly blind, nothing I couldn't say, nothing why cost today, nothing rhyme. This week's Rick's Pick, a uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan track, because uh, on Mike Williams, who's today's special guest, instructions, I'm playing Irish music because it links into the Irish play that he's in. Stones in his pocket, opening in a Morrinsville near you. I just want to say uh, kudos to Rick for having the, um, the wisdom to select a song like that on his list. I mean, he's got excellent taste. Yeah. Uh, Is new- it, are you still working off the original list that he uh, gave you? <laughs> Or is well, he adding to it now and again? No, so like I have three separate lists. Oh, okay. But none of them are actually completely like ticked off. Like I haven't used every track on every list, but what he does is he's like, how are you doing with this list? And I'm like, oh, I'm getting through it. And he's like, I'll give you another one, which is how I ended up so with So you three. end up adding them on. 
Gilbert O'Sullivan, highly underrated uh, performer. He had a, a few hits. This was one of them, a moderate hit, rather. But the one everybody knows him from is Alone Again Naturally, yeah. which is uh, the obvious choice when you're thinking of Gil- Gilbert O'Sullivan. But this one is uh, it's a fine song in its own right. It's good. Alone Again Naturally may or may not be on the list. I just try. I try to go for ones that aren't the number one. Yeah. I mean, if it is on the list, wink, it will eventually get a play. <laughs> um, but, you know. That, the lesson that, on stuff is good. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, I don't know. I, I listened to, I, this is what I'm, I was saying in the lead up to, um, you know, the show today. I was listening to so much Irish music, trying to pick. Mm. Um, but, you know, I enjoyed it. And that's one of the great things about uh, Rick's pick. And I say this all the time, but, like, it introduces me to music that I hadn't engaged with before. Yeah, good. And broadens my taste. Yeah, that's the whole idea. Um, yeah, good old Uncle Rick. But yeah. anyway, back to Mike Williams, because while I've got him, I might as well, you know, get my money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, we, we touched on how in Stones in His Pockets, um, I have to say it slowly, otherwise I get a bit stuttery with that title, but um, we were talking about when the show is on, and I need to do a little corrections corner. Yeah. Because I said that the show ran from the 7th of July to the 15th of July. This is not true, is it, Mike? No, it's just till the 13th, and I should have had the dates in front of me, so I apologise for that. But it's 7th, 8th, and 9th, the 9th being the matinee, the only mm. matinee we're doing. And then a break on the 10th, then we're back on the 11th, 12th, and 13th. So six opportunities to see the play. Yeah. Unless we get a cunningly worded invitation to do a massive nationwide tour, which is not going to happen. Hey, you never know. Never know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's me knocking on the desk, if anyone's confused what that was. Uh, But, yes, I will put the actual date and the link to the tickets up with the podcast of this episode. Thank you. So there's no chance of confusion. Um, make sure you give the That's the Ticket with Hannah Mooney Facebook page a cheeky like. It's I wish I could life. tell you more about the play, particularly in reference to the actual title of the play, because that is... I did want to ask that about is that, but like, you something. wouldn't... Uh, yeah, but if I tell you what, what that means, it gives away a very important okay. part of the plot line that I think you don't need to know until you see it. Okay, I do like. I do have a guess. I won't do it on air. Maybe in the next song, song break, I'll talk to you about my theories, okay. and then we'll decide if my theory is worthy enough to like be shared with the public. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I was going to ask about that, but now we, we've covered that. I guess we don't want to get into spoiler territory because that's my biggest fear when I'm interviewing people um, about their shows. But I do want to. Um, Talk more about how we touched on how you and um, Joe, the two actors in this play, yep. play a multitude of characters. Yes. And you mentioned that you guys don't have any costume changes or anything like that, but I assume for each of these characters there's like an individual performance involved. Um, how do you mean, like a monologue of some sort or something like or that? Or I just mean like you guys change yeah. <laughs> Does that make well, sense? It, it happens as conversations evolve. Yeah. That it will go from two people to that one of those people with someone else, and then it becomes two other people. Um, and some of it involves kind of flashback kind yeah. of scenes. So there's one character I play. Uh, I play him at three different ages. Oh, crikey. From an eight-year-old to a 17-year-old. It's got Blood Brothers energy. Yeah. <laughs> A bit of that. Um, And what's difficult when you're doing something like this is, especially being an Irish play, 
everybody's got to have Irish accents, but only some of them will be, uh, you know, you can't have the same accent and the same voice for this everybody. Is, yeah, so this is what I was trying to get at. Yeah. You've got to find the individuality for each of the characters. And yeah. also, um, you know, are they from Southern Ireland or are they from Northern Ireland? This big difference in accents. Mm. Uh, fortunately, we have some characters that are not from Ireland. There's uh, American. Um, I think the film director we've decided is a New Zealander. Okay, um, so nice. There's there's a range of you know some English accents and some American accents and stuff like that as well. So physically, you take on a different kind of um, attitude, mm. and you try to get your as an actor, you try to get your mind into what that what that person is you know if they're mm. a 16 year old boy or um a 45 year old drifter um you you try to get into that mindset and find out what that does to your body how you might stand the, the gestures you might make and the voice that you might have um and i think there's enough difference between all of the characters that it becomes pretty obvious very quickly still i mean i can com- commend both you and joe but like it sounds like a challenge. <laughs> it's a challenge, but it's a good challenge because yeah. it tests your uh, craft. It tests your creativity when it comes to characterization, mm. and it is a huge test of discipline. Yeah, to have characters that you drift away from, but then come back to. Uh, I feel like I do understand what you you were saying like just before about how you know once you get into it, you can differentiate mm. these different people because. I don't know if this is just a me thing, but, like, sometimes when I go and see a Shakespeare, like, the first two minutes, I'm like, oh, my gosh, my brain. It's like it takes a second for my brain yeah. to realize the difference difference in the language. And I think in other shows where I've seen, like, solo shows where people are playing multiple different people, at the start you're like, oh, hold on, which one are they? And then yeah. by you get ten minutes in and then you've, you've got it. What we, yeah, and you're right. That, that's quite a natural thing to do as an audience member. You're trying to make sense of things. Yeah. You're saying, well, is that character important? Am I going to hear them again? Yeah. Um, who was that one again? Oh, that's right. The one with the limp is so-and-so, mm. yeah. Um, what we want to try to achieve is to make that as quick as possible for yeah. people when they're watching it so that they don't spend a valuable ten minutes of of uh, exposition yeah. um, trying to work out who's who so we, we we work hard on making sure that those first changes mm. are very obvious and very clear that you're no longer this person you're someone else Yeah, and names are used quite early on in the piece the way that Marie Jones has written the script is really clever mm. because it allows for that in the first half of the show um, scenes are much longer between characters which gives you a chance to really find out about them in the second half of the show uh, there are a lot more shorter scenes that dovetail together and that means that the audience is in tune with it by that stage and, and going oh yeah that's oh, all right okay i understand that you see know. i don't know if this is going to be spoilery but like do you have a favorite like of all the characters you portray oh gosh i know that's super on the spot and it's okay if you don't yeah um answer it. i i i like them all <laughs> like for different ways, I yeah. Have different reasons, I imagine. I mean, the the, the two base characters we have. I, I play a guy called Jake, and mm. um, Joe's playing a, a fellow called Charlie, and we are the main narrators of what's happening. Mm. Like it's our relationship and the things we talk about that actually let other things unfold. And I think coming back to those two characters consistently gives us a fondness 
for yeah. that situation. But some of the other characters that we talk about and bring into scenes are just so unique and such fun to do yeah. that um, they become favourites as well just for different reasons. So I mean, there's, a, there's an old fellow I play called Mickey who um, was an extra on The Quiet Man, the, the John Wayne movie that mm. I told you about. Um, so that connection goes back to there. And he's been a, he's been an extra in movies all his life. Yeah. And that's how he lives. But he's a wizened old Irish fellow who's drunk most of the time. And he's just a blast. But the other end of the spectrum, I've got an eight-year-old boy that I'm playing who's got dreams and ambitions and things that nobody knows about yet. That and must be quite hard for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. <laughs> but I, I feel like, obviously, you know, you guys are opening on the 7th of July, so you're really getting into that crunch time. Yep. But, I mean, I don't know if you, you're there yet, but you probably will be getting there very soon, like to the point where I feel like, from what I've heard about the show, is it, it really thrives in front of an audience. Yes, it does. Like, yeah. I, are you starting to feel like you're keen to get people in there? I I think by the time we get to our tech week, which is we've got one more week of rehearsals where we're in, putting in place things like lighting and sound mm. uh, additions as well now and using costume pieces more. We do have a base costume that we work with. Mm. Um, just... Getting through that stage, getting past that hump and into Tech Week, which is the for those who aren't in the theatre scene, Tech Week or Production Week is when you basically you run your your full tech rehearsals and your uh, dress rehearsals ready for opening mm. night, and things that sh- that go wrong normally happens in that period, and that's usually I when you're hanging out for an audience. That, that's when you're hanging out for some reaction, yeah, and you want people to either laugh or or feel sad or whatever, and. You just don't know quite how that's going to work until people are actually sitting in front of you. So that's the period when you get that. And because it's, you know, it's such a small cast. It's literally the two of you and then Chris. I imagine, you know, because you've all worked on the show and, you know, Chris will be used to the joke. So it's not like he's going to be sitting there every rehearsal reacting like he's never seen it. Funnily enough, he does. Oh, really? Uh, and I think it's genuine, or, or he's a bloody good actor. I mean, he is quite he a, is good a good actor, actor anyway. so, you know. No, but he's, um, he gives us honest feedback and, and expects that from us as well. If he tells us that he has an idea about doing something a certain way and if we don't think it works, we can say so. Mm. And so we thresh things out. Well, this is how it's gone up to now. Um, but he's been... You know, he, we can see that he's genuinely moved by scenes that are moving, and he's genuinely finding things funny that that we think are funny anyway, um, and for lots of reasons that just kind of happens out of real life. Mm. What the, the whole Irish language and and um, accents and the humour that's involved in it is is so real because Marie is Irish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's from Belfast. And I think she was quoting somebody the other day when she said, you know, if it wasn't for tragedy, Ireland would have no comedy Mm. because a lot of their comedy comes from the worst situations. Which I feel like parallels, and I've talked about this on That's the Ticket like a million times, but I'm going to talk about it again. It parallels nicely with New Zealand comedy. You look at yeah, like, I think the we had the same sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at the works of Taika Waititi, like Boy. Very self-deprecating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that film is hilarious, but it's also just incredibly sad. Yeah. Um. And yeah, there's just all the similarities that just keep coming out. That's why we get a feeling like, and yeah. my experience with the play before in in South Island was that um, people really warmed to it immediately. Mm. When, when we took it on tour to these places, like. 
we turned up in Hokitika and did a couple of nights there. We had no idea how that was going to go. Yeah. But people just thronged to it, and the reaction we had from it was, oh, my God, we had no idea that you know a play could be so engaging and so yeah. fun um, and yet make you think so much. And it was pretty much the same everywhere, everywhere we took it. So mm. I think um, Six Nights in Morrinsville, we hope people will come from not just Morrinsville, but yeah. all around to come and see it. And we hope that they'll have that same sense of connection, that it, it's very, very close, as you say, to the New Zealand psyche and yeah. the New Zealand sense of, of drama, comedy and life. Yeah. Just life. Everyone can find something in this. Yeah. It sounds like. I mean, as someone who has not seen the play, I'm going to say it, though. Yeah. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> but um, I'm going to break for another song because, um, as I've been bragging, I've got a lovely Irish uh, music playlist for today. Uh, I'd be interested to know your thoughts on this one, Mike. It's a classic. It's a banger. It's a bit more my speed. Um, it's a song by the Cranberries. Mm-hmm. And it's Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> bit cliche. But, you know, yeah, I had to do it. You know, I've been I've actually been meaning to play this song on that's the ticket for a while, but I'm like, oh, when's oh, it gonna fit? Now you've got the perfect fit. Now I've got so the perfect fit. Uh, but this one's for you, Missy, because um, she loves the song too, and I've got to shout her out at least once a week. Okay.
that was Dreams by the Cranberries. Uh, absolute banger of a track, if I don't say so myself. Nothing uh, wrong with that. Good pace. Good pace. Yeah. Okay. That's got the Mike Williams uh, seal of approval, and that's all we need. No, actually, <laughs> the only seal of approval that matters on that's the ticket is Rick's pick. That's literally it. Other yeah. than that, no rules exactly. apply. Um, but, Mike, you've been giving me the inside scoop on uh, stones in his pockets. Yep. But I want to take a step away because obviously you've got quite a lot on. I've made several jokes about your um, calendar on the show today. And so I wanted to ask you about it. Yeah. Because, um, like, obviously Stones in His Pockets is uh, running from the 7th of July until the 13th of July. Yep. And then you've got a show that's on quite soon after that, haven't you? 21st of July. Yep. So we finish our season of Stones in His Pockets and go straight into what you, what I mentioned before, the production week, tech mm. week for That Bloody Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the musical in uh, Rotorua, Rotorua Musical Theatre. So at the moment I'm rehearsing two roles. Well, nine roles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like <laughs> basically you're working on... Like, two productions. 2,000 roles <laughs> across <laughs> two productions. And um, I think I have a clear idea of who you're going to be playing in That Bloody Woman, but I feel like I can't say it first. Richard but, John Seddon. Oh, that's what we're going to call it? New Zealand's first <laughs> Prime Minister. He was premier, but he he was one that decided that he um, when when New Zealand said no, we're not going to join the Australian Federation. He mm. thought, right, yeah, we're going to be better than that. I'm going to be a prime minister, not a premier. So he was that was what happened there. He was on the wrong side of history when it came to the women's vote, though. Yes, and Kate Shepherd and he never met, but they crossed swords verbally and in print, and uh, she became something of a thorn in his side. But as soon as she, it was clear that she was going to win the vote, he very quickly started to take credit for it. It's a wonderful role because he's he's a bit of an ass, but he's yeah yeah. Um, the, how do they refer to him in the play, Mike? Tricky Dicky. Tricky Dicky, or um, uh, lots of play on the word Dick. Yeah, King Dick yeah. Seddon. Yeah, but that was uh, his yeah. that was his nickname. Yeah, King Dick. Um, so. I feel like I've given that enough of your time. I'm just like, how many times in my life am I going to be able to talk to Mike on my podcast and be like, I hear you're playing a dick in the show. <laughs> but, no, um, that could happen quite <laughs> It could still could happen for years yet. Um, it, it does. Like, no, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't planning on doing that role, but um, it was, again, one of those situations where I had already committed to stones in his pockets and mm. we we'd, hadn't even, I think, had a read-through at that stage for that. And an audition notice came up for That Bloody Woman in Rotorua. And I knew that was coming, but I didn't know what their production dates would be. So when I found out what the production dates were going to be, I looked at my schedule and I thought, well, if I'm rehearsing these days and these days for Stones in His Pockets, maybe I could fit the other days doing rehearsals. And so that's kind of how it worked. So is there any day of the week that you're not at a rehearsal? I wanted to say Friday, but we've actually done a couple of Fridays, so no. Okay. Which is, you know, a big, big demand on my partner, Linda. She's very forgiving and understanding, and she just says, well, you know, this is what makes you tick, which is correct. But it means when we do have time together, it's really valuable. Mm. And to be um, to be fair, uh, Rotorua Musical Theatre has been really generous in giving me time away from rehearsals. Yeah. Because... Um, King Dick is a pivotal role in the show, but he's not a huge role. Like no. Kate's role in that show is enormous. She has just about every scene, and she's got lots to say, lots to sing. Yeah. Uh, Richard Seddon comes in and out. He's a bit of a, a needle in, in yeah. her side and says things that probably shouldn't be said, sings a couple of songs. So 
I can fit it in. I mean, and, and it's happening. And it's happening, guys. I'm exhausted, but um, hugely energized. I mean, this at the has same been time. a bit of a bucket list one for you. Though. It has, yeah. I, I have not had the opportunity to do the role before. I think when it was done in Hamilton by Bold Theatre, Nick Wilkinson ended up with the role. But I was—I really wanted to play it then, but I was uh, also in something else. Um, we were—we were getting geezers yeah, on yeah, last yeah. year, which had been pushed back by a couple of months because of COVID. Mm. And in the end, um, Nick did a wonderful job anyway. And I thought at that point, I'm never going to get to play Dick. Yeah, but then the what uh, a chance came up, and I thought, nah, yeah, I've got to make, got, I've got to at least try it. It's like, yeah. you know, first time I appeared in the Rocky Horror Show in 1998, I saw the audition notice. It's, it's the same old story. You see the audition notice, and you think, I've got to at least try. Yeah, yeah. You know? no. I mean, I'm glad you. Why doing would you it? not? Like I, you know, as you know, we've talked about it before, and I feel like I was part of the journey when it came up because I think I came in and you were like. I've done a thing and then showed me your calendar and I was like, oh, Mike. But, like, I'm, I assume, you know, you're having fun. Yeah. Um, part of what was going to be really hectic was that I was um, slated to direct Geezers for 16th Avenue Theatre mm. in Tauranga. They saw the Riverley production and yeah. um, the Playbox production at Riverley and they said, would you come and direct it for us? And I said, yeah, sure. The dates that they had were that it needed to be on in September, which meant that I needed to cast it and start rehearsals by July. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to cast it this time around, but we're postponing it until March next year, so we'll mm. have another chance to have a crack at that. But had geezers been happening as well, I would have had stones in his pockets, followed by uh, that bloody woman, and while that bloody woman was in performance, I would have had to start rehearsals for geezers. Mm. And as soon as geezers finishes, uh, was going to be on stage in September, I needed then to switch straight away to being involved back in Morrinsville again for Legally Blonde, which is on in October. So now at least I have some breathing space after that bloody woman. I've got a couple of months when I can really just, you know, re recharge my batteries. See, I feel like I have, whenever I have kind of local performers on That's the Ticket, we always end up having a conversation like this. Because I'll be like, what's next? And they'll be like, oh, I think I'm going to have a break. And then like two weeks later, they're back on that. They're yeah. talking to me about something else. And I'm like, do you remember that chat we had? I've become very conscious, though, Hannah, of, um, you know, being overexposed. Mm. But I do. I'm one of those few people around this region that actually goes to other places as well. Yeah. Like my commute to Rotorua is an hour and 20 something minutes. So I'm really pushing it, spending a lot of money on petrol. Um, yeah, but it's but I'm it. in front of a different audience, so yeah. it's not like everybody in Hamilton seeing me all the time. No, and I think you know, like I'm all about people doing the thing. What you said about when that bloody woman came up, and you're like, I just got to give it a go, and mm. I support that because you know I'm in awe of all of my guests who perform and go out and create things and do things. Because it's you're putting yourself out there, you know, and yeah, it's, it, it, it takes bravery is not the right word, but the fact that there are people out there willing to take a chance and give it a go—that's you know, it's just incredible. I, for me, it's just how things are, you know. It's yeah, a, and it's the way that I've always been driven to do stuff is to look at a challenge and think, oh yeah, maybe I should try that. Um, and that's informed everything I've ever 
attempted. Mm. I, did, I didn't start directing until I really felt like I've got no choice. I've got to try and do this because I've had ideas that I just can't express any, any other way. So I need to be able to put my money where my mouth is and say, I can do that play as yeah. a director. Or then usually when I'm directing it, I think, I really wish I'd done that, you know, as an actor. Mm. But See, this makes me want to ask a question that you've asked me before mm. uh, back in the day on uh, the Backstage podcast. Mm-hmm. You guys asked me, like, musicals or plays. <laughs> and now I want to ask you that. Because obviously you're you're in a play right now, then you've got some musicals yeah. coming up. Yep. I still think my preference is a good play, but that is purely the actor and me talking. Mm. Um, is, and the, it's, is it different for the director and you? No. Well... <laughs> Actually, it, and I still prefer directing plays too, I mm. think, because directing a musical requires so many things to happen at once and, the, yeah. and you're with a creative team. Um, the team has to gel. So far, I've been lucky with the stuff that I've done. But um, plays for me are what acting and what theatre is all about. It's telling a story. Mm. Sometimes musical theatre does that really well as well. So I'm never unhappy about anything I've ever done in a musical because mm. I approach that the same way as a performer and usually I'm in tune with what the director wants so I've, I've been in some wonderful musicals which I've, I feel very grateful for and some really hard hitting stuff also some frothy stuff but for me the depth of a play is something you you really should aspire to, to understand what that means and, what, and what's involved in doing that and strangely uh, throughout my long career now, um, I've only ever done Shakespeare twice. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. which is really weird. I mean, you know, people my age or, or colleagues of mine from drama school way back in the day have, have uh, gone on to do what a huge amount of What were the Shakespeare's that, that you did? I was in uh, Twelfth Night mm. and Othello. Oh, okay. And in Othello, I really had no lines. I was um, mostly just working as a background person. And who were you so, in Twelfth Night? In Twelfth Night, I played Sir, Tur- Sir Toby Belch. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And I was only, like, 22. Mm. So that was an interesting exercise. Oh, but well, you would think the way that I talk about drama and the way I talk about plays that, oh, gosh, you must have a huge history of, mm. um, of that sort of thing, but I don't. Um, but I like, you know, a well-written play, for me, takes you places that only plays can do yeah i taught toku that even though i i like to think i would pick plays but uh, i'm always gonna pick musicals <laughs> it's kind of like an inside joke that uh, me and my sister have because she's very much plays yeah and i'm very much musicals and like i just sometimes i just love a good like what did you said was it foamy or frothy just like a real just basic like a Yay, musical. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's just all I need. It's a, yeah, you know, sometimes it's you listen to music that's like that because you just think, oh, I just feel like something light and frothy now. Yeah. So you do. Other times you want to hear the dark stuff. Yeah, and actually that's a, one of the great things about musical theatre is there is variety. Yeah. I'll have Blood Brothers Days and then I'll have Andrew Lloyd Webber's day, Andrew Lloyd Webber Days. <laughs> or I was going to say Cats. Or Mamma Mia or something. Oh, don't get me started on Mamma Mia, Mike. I don't have time. Um, we're nearing the end of the show, though, so I will quickly do uh, my second segment, other than Rick's pick, which is upcoming events. Yep. Um, so in no particular order, here's some of the cool stuff um, coming up around the place. 
Uh, Stones in His Pockets, featuring uh, today's special guest Mike Williams, is running at uh, the Morrinsville Little Theatre from the 7th to the 13th of July. Shows are at 7.30pm and there's a 2pm matinee on the 9th of July. Tickets are available now at $25 each uh, via iTicket. Get on to it. You don't want to miss that one. Um, elsewhere about the place, uh, Fantastic Mr Fox is running at Riverley Theatre from the 1st to the 15th of July with 7pm shows and a few matinees are in there too. Find out more and book your seats at iTicket. That looks like fun. I know. I caught up mm. with some of the cast um, a, a few episodes ago and oh, it was lovely. Mm. It sounds fun. And I'm like, I'm not a kid, but I am intrigued. Me too. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's on brand for you to be. No. <laughs> um, actually, on the topic of school holiday entertainment, though, uh, the Meteor have a July school holiday kid show. Um, they're returning with Destination Earth. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you caught that one the first time. Again, we're not children, but highly recommend that show. Yeah. A, I went last time, again, and I'm going to go a, again. A great fantasy trip. It's cool. It's a, what, what entertainment should be. And just like the. The setup it has for just topical puns has me wanting to go anyway. But um, Destination Earth is running from the 4th to the 8th of July with 10.30am and 1pm shows daily at The Meteor. Uh, go to themeteor.co.nz for more info and tickets. And then over at Clarence Street Theatre, they have The Wonderland Glow Show running on the 18th of July with a 10am and 11.30am show. Tickets are available at Ticketek. Um I guess I should say thank you to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel obliged. Oh, oh, you it's know. been a pleasure to be here. I know. I'm like, we should do this more often, but it's probably going to... You'll be back, I'm yeah. sure. Well. You always manage to be back. Touch wood. Yeah, I'm sure between now and the end of the year, because we're, we're over halfway. Mm. Um, That's you, shocking, isn't it? You're going to have something else. I started, the, I started the year I was co-directing Young Frankenstein and really had nothing else in, in concrete. Next year, I've nothing firm yet, so okay. wait and see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But um, I'm going to play us out with another uh, song from an Irish artist. Uh, okay, which one this time? Uh, Hosier. Mm. Young People Music? No, I'm yeah. kidding. Um, it's a uh, banger of a track i keep saying banger of a track but i enjoy this one too it's uh someone new by hosier um thanks for tuning in today team uh you can bet that i will be back next week until then matewa step that I ran to you Only blue or black days Electing strange perfections in any stranger I choose Would things be easier If there was a right way Honey, there is no right way So I fall in love just a little or a little bit
Use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.